Hello and welcome to That Band Life. I'm Jeff Young, a teacher from Carmel, Indiana. And I'm Bobby Lambert, director of bands at Wando High School in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina. That Band Life, a podcast about making our careers as music educators more fulfilling so we can be happier, healthier, more productive, and more creative. This week, we're going to be talking to one of the icons of the band world and one of my personal heroes, Mr. Joel Denton. I can't wait for that, but before we begin, I want to tell you about the Dynamic Marching Shop. This podcast is coming to you ad-free. One way you can support us is by visiting our website, dynamicmarching.com, and signing up for some or all of our awesome courses and instructional videos. Bobby, tell us a little bit about who we're talking to today. So I'm really excited. I, I had the idea literally at one o'clock in the morning, lying in bed, because we, we had talked a couple of weeks ago about who do we want to talk to on the show, and, and I'd gone through some folks, and then... It just didn't feel quite right, and then I thought of Joel Denton. Joel, I think about you at one o'clock in the morning. I hope that either frightens you or makes you happy. One of the one of the two. And I was I like literally sat up in bed, and I I have a little notebook beside my because sometimes that'll happen to me. And I wrote down like ask Joel Denton to be on podcast. So this is I mean I can't believe I, I hadn't thought about it before, but Joel is one of those people that is one of the most unassuming people I've ever met, but he to me is one of the consummate gentlemen that I've ever, that I've ever gotten to see work and worked with. Um, so he was the director of bands at Ultawa High School in uh, Tennessee for 35 years. And I want to say it right. It's Ultawa. Or Udo, you yeah. say it for me, Joel. Ultawa. Yeah, you got there it. There it is, Ultawa. Bobby. Okay, so I was close. There was, there, I, I wanted to say that yeah. correctly. So he was there for 35 years. He's graduated the University of Tennessee and completed graduate studies at UT Chattanooga. Uh, under his direction, the band achieved a national reputation for musical excellence. And if you've never seen any of those videos, go now. Uh, bands under his direction have performed in the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade in 2013 and tw- in 2007, which I got to be at. Uh, as the only band of the 2011 Disney Christmas Parade on ABC and uh, performed at the 2017 Tournament of Roses Parade. Uh, Ultua Band has been a consistent finalist at Bands of America Regional Championships, has been awarded multiple class championships and placements, and has been a national semifinalist on multiple occasions with several class placements. Concert bands have most recently played at the TMEA, uh, the, the Tennessee State Conference in 2010 and 2014, the Smoky Mountain Music Festival in 2011, the Music for All Regional Concert Festival in 2016, and many other state, regional, and national events throughout the years. At the 2015 Midwest Clinic, Mr. Denton was awarded the John Philip Sousa Foundation Legion of Honor. And Is there deserved. more? This, this guy, it, he, yeah, he doesn't stop. I'm not even into his regular stuff. I mean, he was even chairman of the fine arts program at, at Ultawa since 1982, uh, five times teacher of the year. And if you know this guy, you're like, well, that probably wasn't enough. Uh, Tennessee Governor School of the Arts twice honored him. Phi Beta Mu, which is a national honor fraternity for band directors, ASBDA, TBA. He uh, currently serves as past president of the Tennessee Bandmasters Association, serves as a state legislative delegate and advocacy chair for TMEA, member of the Tennessee Department of Education Fine Arts Student Growth Committee, basically, and is running for president. <laughs> in the next few years and so no. please be ready now his most important his most important thing that i know he's an active adjudicator if you've ever had your band adjudicated by him you know it's sincere and it's honest and it's accurate all the time uh, 
the most important thing that I know he would want to say is uh, his wife is named Carrie of 32. It, it says 32 years, but I think this is a little old now. I think it's been yeah, a few more years than that. <laughs> yeah. And they have two adult children, Alex and Caroline. And I think one of them is teaching music. Is that right, Joel? Yes, Alex is a band director in Cleveland, Tennessee. Yes, There That's it awesome. is. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. So, Joel, we are so excited that you take the time to sit down and talk with us. I mean, I know you're super busy. You go out, you have your own leadership consulting uh, business now where you go out and work with students. And man, it's like every, before the whole COVID affair, it was like every week, Joel's in, in Tennessee, and then he's in Indiana, then he's in Texas, then he's in Florida. And then, I mean, it's sort of like, where in the world is Joel Denton at like this Dr. point? Tim, it's like Dr. Tim's schedule there. That's right. He, you know, he retired a couple of years ago and we were all uh, not... Well, I was sad because it's one more band director mentor of mine that's not in the classroom daily, so I'm sad for kids. But then when I saw that he was going out and spreading that good news all over the place, then it it, it made me happy. So welcome to the show, Joel Denton. And Joel, I'm going to jump right into the questions because I have a feeling we're going to go long on this podcast because I, there's just some great things that I want to know about. Um, so basically, Joel, tell us about your upbringing and your personal middle school and high school band experience. I, I, I know you're from Tennessee, but that's as far as I've gotten. Well, yeah, I, I grew up in a, in a fantastic family. Uh, my mom and dad were wonderful people. Uh, my dad was uh, a little bit about him. Uh, he only had an eighth grade education. He's the wisest man I've ever known. He uh, he was the youngest of ten children, and uh, assumed responsibility for his parents at sixteen. Served in Korea and uh, the end of World War Two, and sent his uh, earnings home to, to pay the, the household bills. And um, so that's the that's the person I got to see every day who molded me. My mom, the youngest of, of eight children, nine children actually, one passed away at birth. And, um, they, they were, they were amazing parents and, and they were people of faith. And so, uh, that was a great impact on my life and, and still is, uh, today, uh, musically, they also were musicians and they sang. And so I was thinking about, uh, this today, and I was uh, told people jokingly before I knew what harmony was before I knew what harmony was, um, because we sang all the time. We sang in the car. I can remember singing very young in church, and so I was around the music uh, all my life. My mom was the pianist, and uh, my dad led led music, and um, just that was just a part of who I was. And so when um, I joined band in the seventh grade in junior high. That's when we had junior highs. And about a month and a half into band, I knew I was hooked. Uh, that's I was at Tyner in Chattanooga, and uh, the director was Harold Wilmoth, and he uh, he was my band director junior high through high school. So uh, he and he exposed us to so many things. Someone asked. Uh, there were there were several of us who became band directors out of his program and people ask us why just the other day uh, someone put something on Facebook of why did that culture produce so many band directors and it was because he uh, made us fall in love with music he made us fall in love with 
uh, our instruments, playing our instruments, and he, he made us want to make music the rest of our lives. And um, uh, when he was uh, actually was president of our association here in Tennessee, when he went into the Hall of Fame and uh, told his wife he had been tragically killed in a car wreck. I told his wife every morning I would get up and look in the mirror, and some mornings I would say, thank you, Mr. Wellman, this is all because of you, and some mornings I would get up and look in the mirror and say, this is all your fault. Um, <laughs> because he, he, he inspired me to uh, do this, and, and uh, you know, I never really wavered from that. Uh, I just knew that's what I wanted to do. And so it, it was my passion. I grew up that way. He had been in uh, Dr. W.J. Julian's band at Tennessee Tech before Dr. Julian went to UT. And so he encouraged me to go to UT. And um, I met another um, great influence in my life, and, and that was Jay Julian. And um, he, uh, those two, along with Jack Cadell, who was the music supervisor, in Knoxville at the time, some people may know his sons, Bill, who was uh, in South Carolina for several years and then at Grissom for uh, about 30 years. And uh, Mark, who was in, in the Knoxville area for a long time, started, followed Freddie Martin at South Cobb. Uh, he, he and then uh, Tony DeAndre at the University of Tennessee Chattanooga when Tony moved here uh, the second year I was teaching. Those are kind of, uh, became my band dads, so to speak. They, they're uh, truly instrumental people, influential people in my life. Dr. Julian taught me so much more. It's, uh, Mr. Wilmoth as well as teachers taught me so much more about life um, uh, using music and band as, as the vehicle and uh, taught me how to, uh, how to challenge myself to be uh, better and I always think of that and you, you know uh, I tell students all the time I used to tell my students now I tell other students potential when someone says you have great potential that's not necessarily a compliment because we know potential is unused un, unachieved energy it's, it, it's, it, it means that there's possibility but it's not been uh, it's not been achieved yet and and so uh uh, they challenged me in so many ways to uh, become more than I thought I could be, and and they influenced influenced my life in that way. And and so when I became a teacher, um, they were people along with other amazing mentors that I met through them uh, became the people of, of of influence for me and inspiring me to uh, to teach. And so that's. Uh, for me, uh, I, I was actually at Ultua for 37 years, and uh, for men, and even today, as I work with bands and, and uh, do clinics and honor bands and things with people, I, I always remember that um, I'm teaching students about music, and through music, I'm teaching them about life, and we can never uh, dissect that. Uh, the student, there's no music without the students in front of us, and there's, uh, they're going to live life after they leave us, and what are we giving them through music that's going to help them realize that potential that they have to be the best people they could possibly be, and so that's what I wanted to do, and I got to grow up in a household that 
um, supported me in that. Uh, never challenged me, never questioned why I was doing it. Uh, my dad told me early in my life that I could have a job or a career. And a job was something you went to every day, and a career was something that you were passionate about and you wanted to pursue. And uh, so for 37 years, I never had a job. I worked hard, but I never had a job. It was a passion that I got to go play with wonderful students and, and hopefully inspire them as much as they inspired me on a daily basis. You know, it's so, anytime you get to talk with Joel, I, I've gotten to sit down with Joel a couple of times and I've gotten to watch him work and with, with the Utawa band uh, when they were at, it was interesting when Marion Catholic went to Macy's, Ultawa went to Macy's each time. And so we, that's actually where I, I think I met Joel the first time was in 2007 at that Macy's parade. And some of the, actually it was at the, the meeting that we had in October. That was yeah. the first time I'd heard about Joel before. Um, but if you ever get a chance to, to meet him and talk to him, you, the, the passion that, that you have for teaching is, is almost palpable. I, I can hear you getting emotional even through the, the microphone right now because I know how much you love what you do and how much the kids love, you know, getting to be around you. Anytime we've had you around our kids, they're like, man, just what a, what a kind person. Well, this next question that I wanted to ask is one near and dear to my heart because I grew up in a rural area. And we have several listeners that teach in rural areas. Bobby, um, what was the name of that town again? Yeah. <laughs> so I, <laughs> ah, boy. So our frequent listeners will know that Shoe, it, it's a toe string. Oh, toe string. <laughs> toe string, <laughs> North Carolina. Misspelled, by the way, but toe string, North Carolina. But I went to Swain County High School. We had about 400 people in the school, uh, 9 through 12. And there were um, we had between 40 and 60 in the band. And we were an hour and 15 minutes from Asheville. And Asheville was not what Asheville is now. I mean, it was just kind of a small tourist town then. And so I remember being 22, I think, when I heard my first orchestra live. And that was prob- that was maybe the second time I had ever heard an orchestra. So to that end, rural bands have challenges and advantages to their urban counterparts. So since you travel around and have been around so many, uh, what's the biggest challenge and how should those uh, directors address those challenges? And what's the biggest advantage to being in those rural areas? Cause there are some. Yeah, I, I think, uh, I think there's uh, some real uh, commonalities between uh Lots of the smaller rural bands and just small bands in, in, in uh, general, but uh, usually because of the size of the band programs, the size of the schools, like you said, your school has 400 uh, students in it, um, or had 400 students in it. With those programs are fighting for the same kids that everybody else is fighting for. So, uh, you know, they want to have a football team, but they want to have a marching band at the same time. Uh, in Tennessee, girls' soccer is going on, and uh, volleyball is going on for the girls, and there's golf going on, and that's girls and boys, and there's cross country going on. All of those events, all those activities, sports, marching band, 
are, are all going on at the exact same time during the exact same season. And so they're, they're fighting for those students and, and to get them into their programs. And so um, size and, and that, that activity uh, scheduling conflicts becomes a, a real challenge for them. And the successful people figure out how to do it uh, so they can share those students. Uh, when they start making, students have to make the difficult decision of participating. Many times, if they have the option, they just want to do marching band, they'll go play football or they'll go play soccer or, or volleyball or, or, or something else. But if, uh, if, if there's that relationship between the coaches and the band director, then it's a win-win for the student. They can, they can do lots of things and so we, we uh, have to work around it and early in my career also while we, we were 725 students and I, I, I really dealt with that probably the first oh, seven or eight years I taught uh, it was a the, the growth out of Chattanooga had not quite reached uh, the Ultawa district yet and uh, and so I, I experienced that and one of the greatest compliments I think uh, I received early in my career was from uh, the basketball coach. Who was uh, we became great friends. Uh, he taught PE right outside the band room door in the gym, and he told me one day he said, "Ben, you're the only normal band director I've ever met." And uh, it was it was it was a great compliment because I knew exactly what he meant. Uh, I could talk to him. About basketball, and I could talk to him about sports because I, I, I enjoyed those things and I played those things. Uh, but I also had great respect for the fact that I wanted students to be able to be successful and pursue the things they were interested in. And uh, you know, by my thing with them, like I, about the fourth, fifth year, I was teaching there, uh, teaching. I, I had two boys, <clears throat> trombone players. They were first and second chair trombone player. One was an all-state player. Uh, he was also the point guard on the basketball team. And so I, I scheduled uh, our after-school concert band rehearsals so that we rehearsed on the days that he had basketball games because he played on the varsity and the, the second chair played on the varsity. So they could be at band rehearsal and still have time to get to the ball games if they were away, or if uh, if they were uh, at home, they had time to finish uh, rehearsal and go get something to eat before they had to come back and get ready to play the game. And so I think that's a real challenge is that we're fighting for a lot of the same students in those situations. The second challenge probably is finances. Uh, many of those schools are really underfunded. And uh, socioeconomically, lots of times those those schools are in places where there's uh, it's socioeconomically challenged to begin with. So it's not just the fact the schools are not supporting them uh, or they're not getting support from the schools, but uh, it's also a challenge because the families may not be in a position to support them either uh, at, a, at a really high level. Uh, then the third challenge is staffing. Uh, many, many of the rural schools 
and we struggled. We're in Chattanooga, and you think Chattanooga, but we struggled with getting staff people to move to Chattanooga to teach in Ultawa. Uh, I mean, because they could be a hundred miles away in Atlanta. Like and color guard and percussion and yeah, people. Yeah, yes, yes. So uh, we were fortunate that there's a great percussion studio at Lee University with uh, Andy Hernsberger, and uh, uh, so. We had lots of graduate people coming up there to, to get their masters that were great, great percussionists. Uh, and, uh, and so we were able to get them to work with our program while they were, while they were pursuing their, their, you know, their master's degree. Some of them had taught previously. Some of them just had a lot of experience in drum corps. They had a lot of performance experience. And we were able to get them. And then, uh, and then we just got people to come work with our program, you know, uh, the, Visual program coordinator was James Smith, my entire career, one of my best friends in the world. And, uh, James had met so many, so many people. So we, you know, we had Jim Moore work with the Ultawa band before he was Jim Moore that's doing all the <laughs> world changing stuff he's doing now. You know, we had, uh, we had Todd, uh, you know, I can't be embarrassed, can't think of his last name, Blue Devils, uh, Todd uh, come in and do, yeah, Todd Ryan come in before he was Todd Ryan with the Blue Devils to his feet. You know, uh, when, uh, David Padilla worked with us several times. Uh, just I, I could go on and on and just name people like that who, who because of connections, we got them to come in and help design and write. And, uh, and, and then, uh, you know, they lived in Nashville. They lived in Atlanta. And so we could get them up. Uh, yeah, David Stern's first gig was riding percussion for the Ultawa band. He'll, he'll tell you that. So uh, we, we're, we're just really fortunate to get great people who were young and everybody hadn't figured out they were the best of the best yet uh, to, uh, to to work with our, our kids. But that's a, that's a problem because uh, the majority of our staff through 37 years that was at rehearsal daily were former students. Who either you know they marched drum corps or uh, the, they had been student leaders and our student leaders were real leaders. I mean they were I don't like the word junior staff, but they were peer teachers in the sense that they were uh, in front of their sections or in front of groups of students leading on a daily basis, and so their their teaching skills developed pretty quickly and. Uh, uh, otherwise, we would have been in a world of hurt, and so that that was a real that's a real challenge is staffing. And then uh, I think that the thing that we don't think about a lot is uh, in lots of our smaller rural schools and even in our urban schools that have challenges. Lots of times, the band director is a young director, and and uh, they don't have a lot of experience, and. Uh, they may be afraid to ask for help. They may be afraid that someone thinks they're they're not competent or they don't uh, know everything they need to know. You know, my challenge for them anytime I do a professional development session with with band directors or um, doing a clinic at a, a, a session at a clinic, you know, like Midwest or our state or another state uh, convention, is I never called anyone who told me no, and I called some of the best of the best. Uh, you know, Bob Buckner probably didn't know who I was. Well, one of the first things I did was buy that video of the Silver Webster band. 
And uh, I promise you, Greg Ben had no idea that I was watching him for 20 years. Um, but when I needed those guys' help, I reached out to them. The same thing's true in Mark, in concert band. Uh, Did you ever just call, cold call somebody? Is there any? Yes. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, I picked up the phone and called Alfred Walker. He had met me once. He didn't know me yeah. from Adam. And now he's one of my best friends. I mean, uh, you know. That, like you mentioned uh, Todd Ryan, and he was one guy just, I totally cold called him. I said, I want to learn from you. Is it okay if I come spend the weekend with the Blue Devils? And he was like, yeah, stay with me. I was like, what? <laughs> stay with you? Uh, yes. But yes, you never know yeah. unless you reach out. No, that's exactly right. I, I promise you, I was never told no. If I called someone and said, I need help, or I'm, I'm working on this piece, I've never taught it before, uh, I'm, I'm doing score study, uh, can you help me? They never told me no. I'm, I mean, and, and I'm not talking about the last 10 or 15 years of my career when people might have known who I was. Well, I'm talking about early in my career. I mean, uh, uh, I had great mentors uh, in Tennessee who um, were just willing to, to, you know, they were like, oh, God, here he comes again at, at every convention because I wanted to know. I wanted, I wanted to learn. I, uh, I tell this story in, in, 19, in the uh, fall of 1985. I knew I wanted the band to get better. I'm, I'm going to date myself and my age a little bit. But in the fall of 1985, I knew I wanted the band to, to get better. I wanted to do something more. And uh, so I loaded up the band. And this is, when, this is before BOA took off. But, you know, it's still NBA and and it was mostly in the summer. And I took the band to the, the, the most prestigious contest pretty much in the southeast. It was the contest champion at Little Tennessee State University. I mean, Larry Moore and Steve Moore would bring Lafayette down, and, and Chuck Campbell would bring North Harden down, and you had McGavick in its heyday, and, and John Overton. And, and I took them, and, we, and I bought tickets for all the kids to sit on the uh, audience side we didn't go to compete. We we went to find out what it was about, what what we had to do to get to get to that level. And then the next year we started going to some contests in in the Nashville area. And uh, yeah, I, I'll tell this story real fast. This is this is well, no, I'll save that for down the road, honestly. But it, I think just uh, just don't be afraid to ask for help. And and many of those challenges that are facing the young band directors are that they're they're inexperienced and they don't have a lot of uh, staff and they don't have a lot of people around them to give them great advice and so the challenges to reach out for and then i think the other challenge and maybe in this day and age of and i'm just going to put it out there the have and the have nots is be who you are uh don't try to be what you what other people are uh you know you um, if if you don't have a budget, don't don't try to do a lot of props and don't try to costume your band. If if you don't have a lot of budget, maybe you need to buy uh, stock arrangements instead of getting. Even though there's some great people, uh, young people who are writing arrangements uh, at, at a very reasonable rate now, uh, but still, be be true to who you are. I think that's the challenges out there. 
Bobby was asking about the advantages are uh, because uh, there's less socioeconomic differences. Uh, there's not as as uh, it, I, I feel like sometimes those programs are more inclusive. Uh, they're they're and 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 that 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 can be in every way inclusive uh, because they. They see each other as equals and, and uh, not fighting the stereotype of he's wearing designer clothes and my clothes came from Walmart and, uh, and struggling with that. And we know that's a huge thing uh, for, for young people. And then um, and maybe the other, other thing is they, they share a lot of the same values. Uh-huh. Uh, Bobby might want to echo that, but I think uh, – <laughs> Yeah, very I much. think you know when you're when you're brought up in in you know in a small little community in North Carolina, those people have a lot of the same values, and we and, the, and we see that uh, across across the country, um, and and then uh, I think maybe the most important advantage they have is it's easy for I think it's easier for them to become the um, face of the school or the um, spotlight of the community and, and I'll, I'll say this is not to my horn at all but that was my goal at Ultua when I started uh, the coaches and I got along great football team wasn't great. The basketball team was pretty good. The coaches were great people. We, we were growing. We were, we were the smallest school, the largest division for, for many years. And so uh, it was an opportunity for me to make the band something really special for the community, something they could hang their hat on. And uh, I've seen that so many I, times in communities like that where the band – the entire community rallies around the band. It's really cool. Yeah, I mean, uh, to you know, so I'll give you some examples of where I think I think where small schools or or uh, and this could be urban or rural. Most of these are, are rural schools, but here in Tennessee, Zach Williamson at Rome County School has about six hundred and fifty kids, and he has about one hundred and sixty in the marching band. Uh, Barry Trowball at Mumford in West Tennessee has done Macy's and the Rose Parade. Uh, Perry Elliott at Elizabeth and great bands, really small school. Uh, he is a master at sharing uh, students. He's played our state conferences and honor band twice. Tim Allen and, and Tom Case in Adair County. I mean, there, there is a model of small rural school who, uh, is achieving at a high level over where Bobby is, Chas Pikes in Pickens County for years. And now his first year at DW Daniel doing great things up by you, Jeff, Alan Henshaw at, at Liz Cass. Just, I mean, that, that program is a uh, superior goal that in concert band, you can look them up and it's 25 years or more. You look at their state finals, uh, at, at, at the marching state finals, they're in almost every year. They've won it several times. They've done Macy's. I mean, so there are some there are some advantages to being able to hang your hat on the fact that you are the you're the spotlight. You're the 
you're the face of your school. And, uh, and, Joel, and, and, I, just, and, I just got some goosebumps there just with you talking about these other directors who are in various areas of Tennessee and Kentucky and Indiana. And I just, I put myself in their shoes and like those, these guys right now are going, Oh wow. Somebody noticed what I'm doing here. And I think that's so cool. Um, Bobby and I talk about that a lot, how important it is for you to build up other people and to, um, you know, tell the world about what they're doing. And that made a difference in my career and Bobby's career. And, uh, man, I just, that's so awesome that you do that. Well, um, uh, you know, uh, I, I will say this, this is a personal flaw or a personal, uh, attribute. I'm not sure, but, um, I started studying bands when I was in college and, um, I still remember I went down to visit Alfred Watkins. Uh, I was just going to shadow him one day, and uh, he introduced me to his wind ensemble. This was in the spring, and um, they had been at Atlanta, the regionals, I think it was before we did Super Regionals. But they had been at the regional, and they had won the regional that year, and we have been fourth or fifth. And he says, you guys all know about the Ultima band, you saw them. They probably were the crowd favorite. I'm kind of quoting what he said, not what I would say. And he said, Mr. Denton knows more about the Laster band than anybody but me. And I mean, that was, that was, a, that was a great compliment. Um, if, if we want to be great teachers, if we want our bands to get better, then we have to look at people who are doing great things. I mean, and these guys that I just named, uh, they're doing great things in, in challenging situations. Um, I mean, can you imagine having 25% of the school in your band program? And I, I, I mean, we're talking about Roan County, that's Harriman, Tennessee. I'm not Harriman. Uh, uh, I can't think of the town now. Uh, Tennessee, right on the river. Uh, I mean, it, it's just a small town. This guy's got, I mean, he'll have, he'll have 10 Allstate kids every year. He's just a phenomenal teacher, great friend. We talk and about, so I'm proud of Yeah, we talk about when, when Wando goes places and, and we get to see some smaller groups, I actually tell them to, uh, you need to pay very close attention to the 1A and 2A bands because pound for pound, they'll outplay us under the table. Because when, when I have a trumpet player who stops playing, nobody knows. But when you're one of six trumpets, everybody knows. So those kids are, those kids are carrying tons of, of the burden. And then, you know, when you're a good saxophone player in a smaller school, a smaller program, you're the lead alto in the jazz band. You're playing in the, the top concert band. You're, you're maybe doubling on a brass instrument for this. You're playing in the pit orchestra on bass guitar. I mean, like... Those those kids are just jacks of all trades and do some incredible things that I think sometimes at the larger school. And the other side of that, too, I remember being at Marion my very first day, and I brought the senior class over. I was trying to get to know them, and I, my whole point to them is, you know, you, you have an advantage on me. You know each other, but I don't know you. I said, you know, like right now, I can point anywhere to someone who I don't know, and you, I bet you can't do that. And they were like, oh, yeah, we can. I, I've, I didn't realize that kid was in band because in a larger program, you just get have that disconnect. So I think that's one of the biggest advantages. Uh, you know, uh, the, the, the band directors who are in the trenches 
uh, fighting the good fight in some of the more rural areas or smaller areas or, or whatever it is, I think that you know you can get kind of bogged down by the the bad things that are there. But I can tell you, in getting to work with a few of those groups, there's some of the tightest knit, uh, most like minded. You said they have similar values. I would say more often than not, strong work ethic is one of those strong yeah, values yeah. that that it's there too. Yeah. It's so fun. I used to do the band camp in Clinton, North Carolina, home of Lundy's, the largest hog rendering plant in North America, and just a rural area. But those kids busted their tail. We did band camp right after the last day of school. I was I was there. I would come in in June. They literally got out of school at noon, and they were out learning the first pages of drill at 1 o'clock. I thought, what is happening yeah, well, right now? <laughs> No, you're you're exactly right. I, I jotted down here why why you know I don't want to say all the time. I'll say at times they have more to prove. Yes, I mean because of that, uh, you know, I, I used to tell uh, I used to tell my students all the time that um, the band is not about you; it's about a bunch of little yous. That spells us. Mm doing it together and uh, I mean that that goes to that I me us you uh, you know us we mentality but the uh, the the thing about it is when the band is smaller there can be no weak links right everybody has to do their part and there's no one to carry you right and and so I think I think students are really driven uh many times in that program to prove that just because they're small doesn't mean they're not great. That's exactly right. I just want to stand up and applaud for them all. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. When you, when you watch some of the one, a groups at, at any BOA event or go to a local contest, um, we've got a a really fine band here. Pelion high school Otto Haga was the band director there. And then we've got a couple of others that man, every time they come to our contest, I'm like, I need to stop everything I'm doing and then go watch these guys. Uh, Pelion more at, their, at our concert festival, but uh, Pendleton is another Chris Moss is the band director there. And whenever they come to our band contest here, I, I like stop everything and go watch them. Cause it's always so incredibly unique, just like your shows were. And we're going to talk about that in just a second. Um, just some of the unique shows and the way that you you could capture people's attention in 30 seconds um, better than than most. But I'm, uh, that that comes later. Um, this is one about kind of a, a big concept that I think will lead us into a couple of other directions. Uh, and I, I wrote this as I was thinking about it. You subscribe and teach that it's significance rather than success. I've heard you say that several times. What do you say to the directors out there who feel winning equals success? And the only true measure of a director is the trophies on the wall. And, and directors who are listening, you know who you are. You would never say that out loud, but you also know the way you sound. Well, who won you know, Texas Honor Band? Who did this? Who did that? And we kind of have that pecking order. What do you say to that director that hasn't yet figured out mm. what the real things are? Well, I'm going to quote Dr. Tim real fast here because he says you can be successful without being significant, but you can't be significant without being successful. And so I think it comes down for me to what do we mean 
by success and what do we mean by significance. And so I, I, I teach this, uh, I taught it to my students, I talk about it to band directors, I do it in leadership clinics. Uh, it comes down to this, this thought. People remember people more than they do trophies or events. It's the choice we make that we want them. Are we trying to create hardware for them? Hardware that's that's memories. Those don't get dusty. They never get broken. They don't get put on shelves. They never get lost. Or do we want to create hardware for them? and uh, so I'll, I'm going to give you a story about that. And it's the reason that Uwa Band went the direction it, it, that we, we chose to go. And um, I told you about 85. So in 1990, uh, this was the, we went to Bands of America the first time. It's actually it was March of Bands of America in 91. In 1990, finished the fall. We're having an after-school concert rehearsal, getting ready for our holiday Christmas concert. And uh, um, we finished the rehearsal, and, and prob- I probably stayed around 30 or 45 minutes after all the students and whatever else working on things. And I, I started out of my office, and I turned to walk across the band room to go through the gym to my car. And I turned the corner, something sparkled, and it caught my eye. And I turned and I looked. And at that time, um, we will maybe talk a little bit about, as we go through this, about our evolution as, as teachers. But at that time, we would put all the trophies on a, on a table at the front of the band room uh, from, for that year. And as, I, as that, I caught that spark and I turned, that fall, we had been to four contests. We had won every contest. We had won every best of class award, every uh, auxiliary award. Uh, and, and, and I think the number, I, I've thought about this through the years, I think the number was 42 trophies were sitting on and around that table. One of them came in a casket because we'd won the small division <laughs> at, at the Music City Invitational at McGavick. And it literally was this huge... Uh, trophy, sterling silver trophy that you got to keep for a year. Your name went on it. You turned it back in. They got you a huge plaque. and It's sitting there. And I looked. And uh, this little voice inside my head said, there's more to this than that. Mm. There's more to this than that because when we start teaching, I mean, you know, again, Harold Woman, Jay Julian were, were truly inspirational in my life and taught me so much. But those guys were, I mean, they were drill sergeants. And, uh, and so, I mean, that's, I pushed the kids. We wanted to win. We wanted to win. And, uh, and I walked out thinking, I have to do something else. Uh, the trophy is becoming the trophy, the hardware is becoming the driving force of what we're doing. And it should be about the music and the experience. It should be about enriching 
students' lives, not putting a hardware trophy on the table or in a case that's going to collect dust and going to get broken, and they're not going to remember it. I think they're going to remember the people who they got it with, the people who they were with when it happened. They're going to remember the performance and the experience. I interrupt well, you, Bobby. Well, I was just—I I was just sitting here thinking. I, I've heard people talk about their favorite bands or, or memorable performances, which we're going to get to you in, in just a little bit. But each time I've heard somebody talk about the significant people and students and experiences in their career, it's a really moving conversation. Whereas when I've heard people say, "Well, now we won this," uh, you know, we, we we won this championship in this year, and and we did that, and you know that's that's this. I've never heard anybody get teared up about a grand grand champion anything, you know. Um, now maybe the experience of getting to that it w- was impactful, but I've never heard somebody you know like this trophy is incredible. Seeing the kids from that group, absolutely, and maybe maybe that's the lesson that that comes out of that. That you know the the whole significance. Is is about those experiences. I I can say I remember winning stuff when I was in high school and the the excitement of that. But more, I remembered that at the end, every time we went to a contest, we would get at the railroad tracks, which is about two minutes away from the school, and we all stood up and we sang the alma mater. And I remember thinking one time, we sang it the same whether we won or lost. And like as a, as a little sophomore in high school, I remember having that thought and every once in a while that kid will remind Bobby Lambert, the idiot band director, Hey, you're getting too caught up in this. You need to back off just a little bit. And I, 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 your, your answer is exactly what I think many of us need to hear in our day and age, that it's about the experiences rather than the 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 hardware you said it my friend my friend lee lonzo who was a assistant principal at carmel high school used to say trophies should be made of bananas you know how they (laughs) look great for a few days and then they start and then you toss them or freeze them or whatever it's like yes it's a great oh yeah i totally agree you know guys here's the thing and and i think uh we can ask that question uh going to uh significance and success is People are going to remember us, and they're going to remember us one of two ways. They're going to remember us by the title we had, the job we did, or they're going to remember us by the person we were and how we made them feel. Mm. And so when we're working with students, whether it's uh, Jeff with his three S's, which I love, teaching uh, students how to march, or Bobby uh, standing in front of the Wando band working on preparations for Midwest, which was amazing. Uh, it, 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 the, the goal there is, yes, we want the performance to be the best it can possibly be. We want the students at the end of the performance to feel like that's the best, most amazing experience I've ever had. Uh, I, I, for me, I, I'll go. I could go back to a couple. I'll, 
we were 13th once, 14th twice, uh, 15th once, 16th once, 18th once, 19th once, 20th twice at Grand Nationals. And all those years, uh, it was, you know, the band was great and uh, the kids were wonderful and the show was great. And uh, But we knew that uh, semifinals would probably be our last show. I mean, uh, there was, there were a couple of years we thought, well, we might get in. Well, we had a, a really good chance, a really good idea that the semifinals was the end. And so when semifinals ended, I would run to the tunnel and uh, clap for the kids, tell them great job. But that's what they heard. But the reason I went down there was to see their expressions. Because all those years that we went, I would watch those kids leave the field. And sometimes this was in the prelims, but I was usually a little behind them because I was worried about timing and all that. But I, I would watch those students leave the field, and every boy and every girl would be crying. That's what it's all about right there. Yeah, because they weren't going to hear one more time ever again because they had just heard one last time before we left that rehearsal facility. And and, and the other one would be, um, this was uh, 2012. We were playing at, uh, let me share, this, this would be a highlight, Bobby, but I've got some others. Uh 2012, we were playing at the State Concert Festival. We were the last band to play. We finished playing. Lake Cook, Thomas Bennett was the band chair, the state band chair that year. And he walked up on the stage to give me the plaque. And um, he, he just he's a great friend. He's my brother. We were just, you know, chatting. He was telling me he thought the band played great. And he turned around to tell the kids, students uh, great job and he flipped back around and he said Joel what's wrong with your kids what's wrong with <laughs> and I said I don't know what you mean and I turned around to look and he flipped back around and he said they're all crying yeah. awesome. I said we're done we played our spring concert that was the last time those students were ever going to play together. They were playing at the State Concert Festival. It, it was their end. They knew that, uh, and I have, to think, I have to think, they knew that A.J. was not going to be sitting by the second chair clarinet player anymore. They, they knew that they were not going to be sitting by that person next year. That senior was going to be gone. That was the last time they were ever going to play together. There's no trophy for that. Yeah. That's it's it's so hard to tell young directors. That. That's when we make them, uh, we help them discover they're better people than they thought they could be, mm, and they can be is. more successful than they thought they could ever achieve. Uh, here, here's a great quote on that. Um, 
Rosalind Carter said this. She says, a leader takes people where they want to go. A great leader, this is a great band director, takes people where they don't necessarily want to go, but ought to go. <laughs> and and we, we give them the ability to experience things that they don't think they could even uh, comprehend. Uh, John Quincy Adams says, if your actions inspire others to dream more, learn more, do more, and become more, you're a leader. Mm-hmm. And, and, and we need leaders as band directors more than, and I don't want to offend anybody, more than we need conductors. We need people mm-hmm. who are thinking about, people who are sitting in front of them and inspiring them, and I'm talking more at the high school level now, inspiring them to be the best people, to dream big, work hard, be the very best they can be because most of them are not going to be professional musicians or band directors. They're going to pursue other things in lives. But the lessons that we impart to them, the lessons we leave in their hearts, I, I call them fingerprints. The fingerprints we put on people's lives or they put on our lives never go away. They're not like we, we can't take, uh, we can't take those fingerprints and clean them with some kind of you know, hand hand sanitizer or Clorox wipe. Those are those are hard imprints. They're going to last forever, and that's wow. what significance really is. <laughs> Man, what an answer! <laughs> like there, there is so few opportunities in life to get goosebumps. And, yeah, and what you're describing to me is is giving this opportunity to staff and students on a regular basis. It's like, hey, yeah, we can do this goosebump thing every year. I think that Joel Denton should have to do, I think Joel Denton should have to do the student teaching seminar before every student in the country goes out to student teach. He has to be the one that says, are you sure you want to do this? Okay. If you do, here's the responsibilities. And like half of them will be like, okay, I'm not ready for this. Good. (laughs) Go, go do, go learn more or do something else. But we, we need people who are up to this challenge. Well, Joel, I'm going to get, I'm going to go into the nitty gritty just a little bit and then we'll come back out again and, 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 and finish this strong. But you know, I know student leadership is a passion of yours, and you've helped mold some wonderful people from kids through your program to directors that call you in year after year after year. Um, what do you? Uh, there are going to be two questions that come to this, but the first one is: when you were picking student leaders, um, what did you look for? Like, if I'm a I'm a third or fourth year band director, and I, you know, it's hard to discern which kids are going to make great leaders and which ones are going to be okay. What were some of the things that you looked for that maybe weren't just like, this was the most intelligent kid. Intelligence is part of it. We all know. But what were some of those things that maybe you looked for that weren't the norm? Um, uh, Okay. For me, uh, and uh, I would say this to my my students, uh, people, people are not really, chameleons they can be they can change their color but it's still a lizard and um, so really what you see is is what you've seen is what you're going to 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 get and so the best way to help those students who have those skills who need to be developed and refined to be leaders I I think is to train them early and so we had an executive leadership team that uh, w- was made up of the few titles that we had: band captain, drum major, bass captain, percussion captain, 
sometimes we have a student assistant. Um, those people, they, they, had, they had titles. Uh, the, the section leaders knew who they were, and we would appoint them. But, uh, but they also had other people they were training all the time. And, and I, I, so we had a leadership team of a bunch of people who didn't have necessarily positions or titles. There's actually a book that says you don't have to have a title to be a leader. It's a, it's a great read. I can't remember who wrote it now. Short, short book, but, but a great book. And uh, so my goal was to train students to help them discover if they actually had those leadership skills uh, and, if, and if they really wanted to develop them. And then the second thing was when it became time to choose leaders, I was looking for students who could model. And, and I, I like acronyms. I have a lot of acronyms I use for a lot of things that, that so in leadership Bobby. Bobby has an acronym yeah, oh, for I everything. Know, I know. I love Bobby's stuff. <laughs> uh, and, 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 you know, you don't have to reinvent the wheel, so let's right just be on. honest. I've sold some of it. Uh, <laughs> and, and now you have yours. <laughs> but, but, <laughs> and uh, so I, I do believe we need to teach students to be models. And, and, and model leadership is this. They can motivate that means that they, they're people who inspire people. We don't make people better by making them worse. So they understand how to inspire people to do things that they don't necessarily uh, think they can do. But we help them be able to achieve that. So they have that ability. It's a, a, I think it's a really important uh, attribute for a leader to be inspirational, to be motivational. The, the O stands for observation, and this goes to relationships. We can't lead people we don't have relationships with. Uh, we see totally apolitical comment, but we we have we we struggle with this in all parts of society uh, because a relationship means that you have developed trust with that person. And, and that trust gives you the ability to be more observant of that person. But it allows you to uh, know when they just broke up with their girlfriend or their boyfriend. Or it allows you to know when their parents might be about to get a divorce. Uh, it lets you know when they're struggling in a class and they, they feel like losers. I could go on and on. Observation means that you you have developed relationships with people that gives you the ability to know when they need help, and and then you know how to, to be able to go help them. The the D stands for demonstrate. It's the first one that really has anything to do with band, but it has more to do with being the right kind of person because. Uh, I, I do believe that leaders are leaders 24-7. I don't, I don't think we ever take that's, uh, it. It's kind of like a Superman suit. It's always on. You just, you know, he just takes his suit off when he when he, he goes into Superman, takes his clothes off. But, uh, so that means that they're aware that their peers are watching them in math class because what they could do in math class, their peers think they could do in band class. And, their peers are watching them in the hallway because they understand that what they do in the hallway, their peers can do in the band rehearsal. And it, it says, 
I'm going to be the kind of person that I want you to be. And um, I, I, was, I was watching, oh, what movie was that? I was watching a movie last night. The Tiger King? Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. no, no. Sorry, Actually, it was, a, it was an old rerun of the first Batman movie. Uh, the the, uh, one, yeah. the first one with uh, the Val Kilmer. Uh, yeah, no, no, no. The uh, the newer Keaton, series, Michael the newer one. Michael Keaton. I know. A later, yeah. <laughs> There's so yeah. many Batman. Oh, whoa. Yeah, and, 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 so he meets the girl. You remember? Uh, you remember the movie because uh, he comes back and uh, he assumes the identity. Uh, the company he gets all the stuff and and. Uh, the the girl says to him, "It's not just what's inside of it; it's what you do on the outside." And so you can you 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 have to be a leader, but you have to you have to uh, you have to be willing to put it out there too. You have to be able to demonstrate what that looks like, and that means that you're going to be the kind of person we want our band members to be like. You're gonna be a, you're gonna be a great person. You, respect you're going to do all the appropriate things but the e uh stands for evaluate and equip i do think leaders have to have the ability especially in, in my program and i and you know, i still uh, i i stole this from from greg bim years ago i've told bobby this uh, and 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 even even a little bit from uh alfred at, at Leicester, but a lot a lot from greg is we our students have to be able to teach. They have to be able to lead, and so they therefore they have to be able to do. And so they have to they have to have the ability to stand in front of that trumpet section and know what's wrong, uh, and be able to give them the right information or lead that fundamental block and and know why that student is is struggling and what they're doing wrong. And, and to be able to teach them. So I think evaluate and equip is a really important thing. The L stands for lead. So, and, and, and I don't think you can really lead if you don't do, if any of those things are missing, you're not going to be an effective leader. You have to be able to inspire, motivate. You have to be able to observe, have relationships. You have to be able to demonstrate in band and out of band the kind of person we want to be representing our program. You have to be able to, to help teach the students who are struggling. And, and then the students are going to follow you and you're going to actually be a leader. If any of those things are missing, I don't think you can build trust uh, with the students to be able to lead them. And I'm, I'm going to throw this out here, guys, and I'm going to say that goes for the band director too. You have to be a model, not just on the podium, just to be a model for your students. You, you uh, you're, you know, uh, my family, when, when my my children were in college, we, we went to Florida. We were going to take a cruise. We stopped at, uh, in Orlando to break the trip up, and we were eating at a restaurant uh, outside of Universal. And the waiter comes over, and he brings an appetizer. And I said, oh, sir, I don't think we ordered that. He says, I know. Uh, someone perched it for you, and they said to give Mr. Denton a hard time. We're eight hours away from home, and there's a table across the restaurant with a family with band students in it. And uh, so, you know, 
eyes are constantly on us. They're watching us. They're, they're watching what we do, how we act. Uh, and, and so we want to we want to make sure that we're models for them uh, as great people and great teachers and great musicians. Uh, uh, we we want to make sure that we're doing that for them. To, 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 to go back, uh, to just kind of jump back a second to the significance, you know, one of the things in leadership with students and band directors that makes us so significant and so important is uh, our activity is the only activity. Uh, orchestra and choir does it a little bit, but they can't do it the way we do. It's the only activity that teaches every part of the intellect, emotional, intellectual, and relational intellect. Uh, no other, no other activity in the school does that because our students, uh, when they're performing, are using every part of their brain. They're performing at the the highest level. We're asking students uh, to to synthesize constantly uh, to reach that, use that potential uh, that they have to to become what they can be, and we do it through music and life lessons, and uh, those things go hand in hand. So we have to be able to, we have to be able to uh, model for them uh, to get them to be able to do that. I'll I'll add a, a thing here. I was I was listening to a Zoom meeting uh, that Mallory Thompson was in recently, and she said, "The more you demand of your musicians, the more you need to believe in them." And I would add, the more they need to believe in you. And that's true of student leadership, too. The more we expect, the more they have to trust and believe in us. And, and I told you I like acronyms, so I'll throw my acronym for trust out to you. The T uh, uses uh, is actually another thing. It's, it stands for, I call it the talk method. And talk stands for thankfulness, which is, uh, just uh, uh, it, it, it's a word for humility. We have to show humility. The A stands for adoration. It reminds us that one of the most important things we did is praise the efforts of the people we're leading. Uh, the L stands for listen, because most of the time if we listen, they'll tell us what they need. And the K doesn't really work, but nobody would use tout, because that goes on nasty feet, uh, <laughs> is, for, is for confess. I mean, as a leader... We have to say how messed up. Uh, you know, that's one of the hardest things when you're conducting the band and something goes wrong. And you have to stop and go, I'm sorry, that was my fault. I, I missed that. Uh, but if we model that for our students, then they'll model it for each other. And when you look at that little talk model, the thankfulness, the humility, and the confessing is us, it's about us, and the adoration. Uh, the praising and the listening is about them. It, it, it's a great picture of, of what trust really is. It's, it's them inside of us. We're, we're responsible for them. And I want my student leaders to understand that you're not just responsible to me as a student leader. You're responsible to the people you're leading to take care of them, to, to make sure you're, you're modeling for them and you're giving them your very best. Uh, the R stands for respect. We, I don't need to define that. The U is about understanding. It goes to observation and model. You have to have a relationship. Uh, I, need, I need leaders who can come to me and say, hey, Joe is really struggling today because uh, 
uh, something's happened. Uh, and I'll tell you a quick story on that. Uh, uh, this was about 10 years ago now, and uh, a student leader came in, uh, and I don't want to say the, the section leader or the, 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 the instrument, because somebody might listen and know who I'm talking about, one of my students, former students. But this student came in and said, so-and-so is really hurting, and, and, and he doesn't want to play today. And, I mean, that's just almost never an option. And uh, I said, okay. And I said, where is he? And they said, he's in the in the instrument room. And so I went, in, I went to the instrument room before rehearsal started. And as I turned the corner, I looked. And the, this is a senior boy. He uh, he is in the, the baby position on the floor in just a ball. And just... Weeping, and I say, "What's what's wrong? Uh, what can I do?" He said, "Listen, you can't do anything." He said, "My dad left last night. My parents are going to get divorced, and I'm I, and, then, and I look at him, and, I, and he said, I can't play. I said, you don't need to play.' I said, can you take care of you right now.'" And if I can do anything for you, you let me know. I'll be, I'll come check on you after class is over. And I think it's just super important uh, that we build relationships. We teach our kids to build, our students, leaders to build relationships with the people they're leading so they can understand. They have this sensitivity. We have to be sensitive about what we say and the way we say it and the things that we do. And if we do those things, that talk, model, respect, understanding, sensitivity, then we build trust with people. Again, if any of those one components is missing, I don't think we're going to have the kind of trust that are going to let people do what uh, Mallory said, is the more you demand, mm-hmm. the more they need to believe in you. And, and so uh, that, that's what I'm looking for uh, in student leaders, and that's what I'm, I'm, I'm hoping I'm training them uh, to be and do. I need to listen to that part about 10 times. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. Uh, it, again, this is what maybe he should be at every in-service as well. We should just, now that we all know how to use zoom, just every in-service, <laughs> just have Joel repeat the exact same thing over and over again. Uh, because the, these <laughs> yeah, are lessons that great. we, you know, we hear it and, and everybody's like, yes, absolutely. And then we get right back into the rat race uh, of what's going on, you know, now that we all have a little bit of time to process, uh, I, I can tell you that I'm thinking about things pretty differently than I ever have in my career and doing things where I thought I would never even consider, uh, you know, we're, we're looking at what will the fall be like. I'm kind of like, you know what, as long as I get to be with the kid, the only thing that you would tell me that I won't be able to deal with is that we will not be able to gather in more than 10 people. Uh, and do a concert. Now, if I can do 10, I can at least, you know, see them from time to time. But if you're saying, okay, we've got to stay doing online more months. Um, no, but pretty much anything short of that, I'm going to be pretty happy with. And I think this, it goes to what, what Joel is saying, you know, keeping the, the most important things, the most important things. And, uh, we're in the people business more than anything. Um, Joel, I'm going to go through these, these next couple because this, this one is one that I'm, I'm really interested in, and I think a lot of our listeners would be too. 
uh, you get to travel around a lot and see a lot of different programs and you talk to a lot of different directors. Uh, what do you think is the biggest character or leadership challenge for students today? You know, it, it, I think it changes about every six to 10 years. There's a new thing. I can remember, you know, when vaping started and before that it was something else. And I can remember when cell phones, everybody thought that that was the devil. And this is, you know, so with each, you know, we go through cycles. So what do you think right now is the biggest challenge for students, leadership or no, that directors can, you know, how can they and how can they address those, that one biggest challenge? Oh, boy, that, that's, uh, that's, that's tough because I think, um, it, I think it can change somewhat based on the environment, uh, and, and, you know, what, what might be really challenging in Wando uh, might not be so challenging out in uh, rural South Carolina. Um, so I, I do think there's, uh, I'm with you. I, I think, I think back to when I was in high school and, um, you know, obviously drugs were available and, uh, and, but we had we had a smoking area at our school. We had yeah, a smoking we area when I started teaching, you know, uh, and and so the challenge there was to, you know, uh, are you going to go do that? Are you going to become a part of that? And so I, I I think I could sum it up by the pressure of whatever that thing is. It's about fitting in. Mm, there it so is. It's about it's about fitting in and, and fortunately for us I mean I, I'm, I'm, I will say this uh, we we had we had a couple of years at Ultawa in the in the mid 90s where um, I mean I, I used to say I could count on one hand the number of the, the first 10 or 15 years I taught I could count on uh, my one hand the number of kids that got suspended the number of students that ever got suspended, but but uh, we had we had a couple of years in the mid late nineties where um, drugs kind of crept into the environment. It was it was in one particular section doesn't need to be named, but um, and one other group, but uh, it kind of crept in, and it was uh, you know it was one of those things I. I'm, I had to deal with it, and it, and it was hard because I, I really cared about those kids. But because I really cared about those kids, I had to deal with it. I had to deal with it. I had to give them. I had to make sure that that was addressed. And um, then, you know, it was just, it was a real struggle. But th- th- those students who went through that struggle were involved in that because they want to fit in. And so I think the key is uh, for us and our programs make uh, such an inclusive activity. Um, you know, I ask this question in every session I do with, even in, in clinics, uh, with, with individual bands, not our bands, but uh, even with rehearsal clinics, sometimes I'll say, look, I just want y'all to tell me, uh, Describe your band program in one non-musical term. 
use one term to describe your band program. I don't want a musical term. So I want anything to do with music, describe it. And over 95% of the time, that one word will be, you guys want to guess? Family. Family. That's exactly right. Family. Uh, the, the three to 4% of the remaining three or 4% is probably community. But family will be, uh, will always be 90, over 95% of the time, depending on how large the group is, uh, will, will say family. And, you know, we don't want to let our family down. That even, even, even situations where families have struggled, we don't want to let our families, those students don't want to let their families down. And so, uh, we have the ability to create an environment where they don't have to struggle with some of the things that other people have to struggle with or other students may be struggling with to fit in. And that does go somewhat to student leadership and that modeling in the sense that, the, you know, I've got a life cook. I, I've done Dobbins Bennett's leadership training for years. and He does this really cool activity on the last day of Friday. I do the training early in freshman week, and then he, on Friday, he, he does a thing with, where his drum majors, uh, he brings all the freshmen over. And there's usually, they don't, because they've done football competitive band, they usually have brought out 100 freshmen. And he'll bring the drum majors over, and he doesn't say name them all. He points at different students for each drum major, and they have to know their names. And uh, I, I think that is so cool because it's super important. I mean, when, when a freshman hears the drum major call their name, that student knows, that drum major knows me, and that makes them feel important. That makes them feel included. I think we have to create a situation, an environment that is really inclusive. We want to uh, ensure uh, all our students feel they're a part of something special. And we need to recognize that the number one reason students quit band is because they don't. It, it, it's rare. I mean, there, there's sometimes it, it might be time commitment or it might be class conflict, but those lots of times are excuses because they don't really feel like they're included uh, in, in the organization. And so whatever those challenges are, Bobby, that you, were, that you, you mentioned, uh, if, if we have a, an environment that says you're a part of us, and this is what we are, and this is what we're about, this is the kind of people we are, we're going to deal with those challenges a whole lot less than we are if we don't have that inclusiveness about our program. Right. Yeah, it's right on. It, it, and I think it's, you know, you're able to filter and distill information down to a place where it's like, oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and I had, you know, these four examples of stuff, but it really all comes back to that. I, I don't feel like I fit in. And, and sometimes it's, it, 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 that's okay. They, they, they just, they want a different vibe. They want, and when I find out some kids leave us to maybe go do some things that we can't be a part of, uh, I'm okay with that. Uh, I mean, I hate that, 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 that kid has decided to go down that path, but I'm glad that they knew they couldn't do that and be part of us too. I'm glad that there's a, a situation where, you know, we stand for this 
and and everybody who's part of us does too. Now we we would rather you would stay here and get rid of the junk that you may be in a uh, part of, or at least talk with us and try and get help. We've had that happen before. Uh, I I remember being part of, uh, well, I, and I I think I can say this. I I was at Marian Catholic when they at one time would say if you were caught with any illegal substance, you were out of the school. And then they started really taking taking a serious look about is this the the Christian way to handle this, you know, cast people out because they did the wrong thing. But no, it was more we you know hate the sin, not the sinner is ultimately what it came down to. We 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 love the people that are here, but you can't do those things that are going to be unhealthy to you and to the program. And I think that's that's exactly right on. It's it's always about peer pressure. And trying to find out who you are and where you fit into stuff—it's that's that's what it ultimately gets down to. Um, I've been looking forward to this question for a little bit, and at first I was going to ask you what was your most significant musical experience, but I think I want to—I think you're going to go to what was what's been one of the most significant teaching experiences for you. That's that's a hard question, and I'm so sorry to ask you that. But (laughs) that's a deep one. But yeah, what Joel? What are and maybe it's a it. Well, you'll you'll come up with a good answer. I'm not even going to lead you to it. What what has been one of the most significant teaching experiences for you? Oh man, I mean, when I think about experiences uh, in, in my career, I, I, there's this rush of, um, uh, of events that uh, just go through my mind uh, from a teaching experience. Uh, let me share the first one. I, I never forgot it. And, and my high school band director, the person who started me, Harold Wilmoth, this is my first year teaching. I invited him out to hear the band before we, as we were preparing for a concert festival. That's what we called it back then. And um, we, we were we were playing uh, uh, Overture and Grade Four, Overture and B flat and uh, Macbeth's mask. And, uh, so I'm rehearsing the mask, and uh, I stop, and I look at him, and he goes, that's the way you want that to sound. He didn't say, Joel, that wasn't good. He didn't say, that's, that, you know, that should sound like this. He says, is that the way you... Oh, he says, is that the way you want that chord to sound? Because it was it was a, an end of a phrase, a one-note chord. and uh, I said, I'm not sure. He said, well, why don't you play it again? And um, this is a first-year teaching. And so we played it again, and we got there, and I stopped, and I said, uh, let's do this, this, this. And I said, let's play this again. And when you get here, I want you to listen for that. And we played it. And um, the chord rang. The overtones were beautiful. And... It was a moment when I knew I could do this because I, 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 I say this with all sincerity. I don't have the best ears. I'm not the best conductor. I'm not the best band director. There are so many more talented people than I am, but I have a passion for students and teaching and music and band and, uh, when I heard that, and I knew it was right, I knew I could do this. And, and just like Kevin 
Senegal said uh, uh, two nights ago. Uh, our ears get better. He said they get bigger. I, I think that happens with age, but they, they get bigger in the sense that we can listen better. We know what to listen for, and, and we grow. But that was a moment that I will never forget. There were, there were so many other moments. Probably a teaching moment, a highlight of uh, was uh, 2010 we played. We were one of the honor bands at the state conference. And, uh, we were the opening concert. They'd never done a concert on Wednesday night before. We were, we were going to be the opening concert. So, so thrilled they asked us to do it first. And, uh, I wanted everyone to come. I wanted it to be an inclusive concert because our all-state event encompassed choir, band, and orchestra. And uh, so I invited the Chattanooga Boys Choir, which my son had sang in and I'd been on staff up, uh, to come sing with us. And we did the Bebo Ave Maria. And we let the boy, one of the boys sang the opening solo. We played the first verse and then they sang, they sang the, the middle section. And then there's actually two verses more. And then, then you go to the, the second. So they sang the second, uh, the second verse by themselves. And when they got to the repeat, we joined them and, uh, it, it was stunning. Uh, the, the, in rehearsal, the boy had, had dropped pitch, and I was freaking out. Uh, in the performance, he was right on pitch. The band came in. It was it was just a stunning moment, and we finished the piece. And uh, at the at the end of the concert, so many friends came up, and they were crying. And uh, Dr. Julia was crying. And Late comes up and hands me the you know we're brothers hands me the program with program notes that he has written in some you know some most were really really complimentary and then a couple you know he and uh he had written in that moment when we did the Vivalame Maria because he had sat by Dr. Julian he said Doc is crying well Heather his wife had taken the program and written, and life is crying too. And I was crying on the podium, conducting it. Because it was stunning. It was, it was, why we do what we do. It was absolute musical magic. And, uh, and there was no trophy I, I mean, waiting at the end. That's not the hardest piece we ever played by far, but I will never forget that moment. Mm. Thanks so much for sharing that. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's powerful. So our our last question to you. I mean that that's that's a wonderful place. Hey, to can I share one other thing before yeah, you go? Yeah, of course. Yeah. In two the two thousand seven, I met Bobby at, at the director's meeting, and. Uh, I, I could just go on and on about moments, uh, uh, you, you know, uh, uh, oh gosh, so many moments, but let me share this one. Um, 2007, Macy's Parade, we had done the parade, we're standing at uh, the red line, ready for the band to march in the old way, uh, so before they changed it, 
Uh, so you're marching into Herald Square on the red line. And uh, my wife had walked the parade with me. My son, Alex, who for the last uh, seven years I taught did all our arrangements, was on, on the staff. Uh, he, had, he had done all the trumpet sectionals and, and, and worked with the brass. And my daughter was the drum major. And when we got to that corner, everybody left except I took Alex and, and Carrie, my wife, with me to the corner so we could watch Caroline lead the band in. And awesome. I think uh, that was year 27 for me. And uh, it was. I can remember standing there going, this is worth it all. And then the last 10 years were unbelievable, the things we got to do. But that was uh, that was a moment I'll never forget because I got to experience it with uh, the most important people in my life. Which And James was there, which was my family, my friends, I can definitely relate to that, Joel. That was, I remember the last time Connor, um, we were in visual warm up for Grand Nationals, my son Connor's senior year. And I said, you know, this is not ever going to be as good as this. You know, this is amazing teaching my own kid. And, uh, you know, we're going to have some great years still, but um, there's something, there's something really special about teaching your own kid in your program. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just creating those mountaintop experiences. You'll get there, Bobby. <laughs> well, we are now actually. Well, they're all going to do choirs. So. My, I know, right? <laughs> uh, they, they can actually sing. So uh, it's, it's funny. My girls were outside, We you know, with COVID. Uh, there are a couple of young ladies here on our street all around fifth grade. And this is the time where they would normally start looking at band instruments and and uh, we've we've really been encouraging a lot of people in our neighborhood to think about that. But they all had brooms out the other night, deciding they whether they wanted to do the color guard audition or not. And so they had put this routine together. And I took a little video of it and sent to our color guard director. And I was like, "Look at what you're creating." <laughs> I don't know if I can handle the. I don't know if I can be a good color guard dad. But you know what? As, as with all things, you figure it out, right? Figure I mean, it out. Everything's figure out. Exactly right. you, you figure yeah. it out. Well, Joel, I mean, this has just been incredible, man. We can't thank you enough. And, and for all of our listeners, this this is one of those podcasts. We, we've had several special ones over the years, and this will be one that you come back to often, especially on those days when you're, you're driving home and you're saying, I, I want to do something else. Uh, turn this one back on because this will remind you why we all do this uh, all the time. So... Joel Denton, thank you so much for, for all that you've done for, for many years Thanks, for Joel. the band world. We really thank appreciate you. it. Yeah. Just hey, guys. Uh, I'm so honored. And I, I mean that. Uh, where, uh, when someone invites me to work with their band or their leadership, um, I always feel so honored because I know I've stood in those shoes. And when you invite someone in, you're, you're giving them the most important thing one of the most important things in your life, the most important people in your life, you're trusting them with them. And I feel the same way about this. Uh, I want to leave, um, because we are in a unique time, 
I want to leave one thought with you guys. It's a, one of my favorite quotes. It's uh, by C.S. Lewis. And he wrote this years ago, but it's so applicable, applicable for today. He says, the task of the modern educator is not to cut down jungles, but to irrigate deserts. And I think it's so important that we realize that uh, we have to pour ourselves daily into the people that we're in front of. Uh, what we're doing now is unique, but it's not us. We make music face-to-face. Uh, we need to be teaching our, children, our students now to get on target, stay on target, remember Remember the experiences they've had and the experiences they're going to have. They're going to make more memories, and they're going to do that together, not individually. And uh, keep working on the things that are going to make them be better musicians and, and better people. You know, and uh, I, I hope we'll all do that as we move forward. But I want to tell you, I'm so honored by this, and I thank you so much for inviting me to be a part well, of that. Is, that is very much shared. And, and Joel, if somebody's interested in getting in touch with you, wants to ask some questions, or maybe uh, have you come and do some work with their kids, what's the best way to find you? Really, probably through uh, uh, email, uh, leaderslead at yahoo.com l-e-a-d-e-r-s-l-e-a-d at yahoo.com one word leaders lead at yahoo.com or uh, or they can send me a, a, a message on facebook or they can call me my cell number is 423-432-9577 that's a little dyslexic so i'll say it again 423-432-9577 and i'll be a, i'll be honored to help any way I can. We're, we're, in, a, we're in a time where uh, they're, they're, we need to be sharing and, and, and there should be no secrets. We just, uh, we should be working hard to make each other better and help each other, uh, help our students get better. And so uh, I'll be glad to help if they, if they reach out. Well, thank you, Joel. And before we wrap up, Bobby and I have a few things we'd like for you to do. Uh, please listen to each new episode and subscribe on your favorite podcasting host like iTunes or Spotify. Follow and comment on That Band Life social media pages. Facebook, search for That Band Life podcast. And on Instagram, we're the at That Band Life one. We are not on Snapchat and never will be. <laughs> you can email me at jeff at dynamicmarching.com or bobby at dynamicmarching.com. Share your wins and losses and together we can learn to be better music educators one last thing, please, easy to remember, it's next Monday night, we're going to do at 8 p.m. A, a live Zoom hangout Q&A session for our next episode, and we would like for you to join us. So if you're interested in joining I'm us. I'm so excited yeah. about that. We've actually had several emails of folks wanting to be part of this. I think the Zoom <laughs> room like, has, has about 10 people in it right now. So let's, let's oh bring that gosh. on. So yeah, just it's, we, email we'll us and let us know if you're interested, and we will include you on that Zoom invite. So we haven't done a live broadcast yeah. since California and we may only do one more live late <laughs> night. <laughs> so, th- but we have, we'll have a lot of fun yeah. and you know, this is the time where we all need a little bit of that, you know, go back and listen to this episode. It'll make your, your day. Joel Denton. Thanks so much again for being with us. And email us a question. Let us know if you want to join us for that question and answer thing. We'd be really excited to have you there. Well, thanks for listening. And until next time, I'm Jeff Young and I'm Bobby Lambert. And this is That Band Life.